0: From A-plus to top 100, best in class, and star ratings, there are lots of entities out there evaluating hospitals for quality, safety, and more. But rural hospitals are often overshadowed or misjudged due to data collection techniques, metric designs that automatically disadvantage rural hospitals with smaller numbers, and a lack of concern for the subsequent misleading results. So, how do rural hospitals navigate external performance evaluation and strengthen areas in which they wish to improve?
1: With objective measurement, a focus on relevant metrics, and engagement with a rule focused entity.
0: I'm Rachel Lott.
1: And I'm JJ Hodshire.
0: And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode
1: 70 of Rural Health Rising. I'm JJ Hodshire, president and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital.
0: And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development.
1: Now, Rachel, we have discussed before the variety of different grades, ratings, measurements, and rankings that are published by external sources to measure hospitals on their quality, their safety, and more. It can be staffing. It can be, you know, the quality of the environment, all of those things. So today we're going to talk with the leader, of the foremost evaluation tool for rural hospitals in the country Mm -hmm. to go deeper on this very issue.
0: That's right. We are talking with someone whose organization recognizes rural hospitals on relevant metrics with consideration of size and appropriateness of various metrics.
1: Oh, Rachel, you said the word relevant. I I am so (laughs) excited. That's right. Our guest today is Michael Topchik, national leader of Chartis Center for Rural Health. So welcome to Rural Health Rising, Michael.
2: Well, it is an absolute pleasure to be with you, and uh, we're going to have some fun talking about rural, one of the hardest words to say in the English language.
0: That's yes, right. That's right. Is. Have you ever seen the episode of, have you ever seen 30 Rock? I was going to bring it up. You're stealing my thunder. The rural juror. <laughs> you don't know what she's saying <laughs> until the last five minutes of the episode. Yes.
1: Rural, are rural. JJ, have you seen yes, that? Yes, you told me oh about gosh. it. Oh my god,
0: I love that every thing. time. Jenna, right? I Jenna. think of yeah. that every time. Yes, Jenna, <laughs> Jenna, the rural juror. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh my gosh, hilarious. okay, so
0: after that little sidebar. <laughs> um, to start, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at the Charter Center?
2: Well, there's a couple things there. So I live with my partner at uh, 140-pound, pure white, looks like a polar bear, Great Pyrenees, and my 30-pound beagle who puts keeps him in line uh, on one of the most windward <laughs> islands off the coast of Maine. So uh, oh, I, wow. I I got here today by boat because it only takes 30 minutes, but by, by, by car uh, it takes an hour and 30 minutes.
1: I'm jealous already. I'm <laughs> jealous already.
2: To, to, talk to me in the winter.
1: Oh, true. Disregard <laughs> last. <Right>. Disregard <laughs> last statement.
2: <laughs> oh well, and so and so I I'm the director of the Charter Center for Rural Health. And uh, we've been working for about 15 years on rural people places and their health care. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking about some of that today. Um, for about 10 years, really focused on, on what I would call a longitudinal study. There's been additions, but very few subtractions to that study. Mm-hmm. And I think it's what's allowed us to become recognized as a, a resource to help folks understand what I would call the state of the state of rural healthcare. which mm-hmm. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to say at the beginning of this conversation it's frankly deteriorating. Um, we've seen mm-hmm. a spate of hospital closures. We've seen service lines lost. But I promise by the end of this call, we're going to recover the relationship and it'll, we'll have some sunshine and rainbows as well.
1: I am Perfect. so excited. I can't wait for that. It's going to be incredible. So now that we've established who you are and what you do, and certainly we respect and thank the Chartist Group for taking the initiative and the lead as a credible source for evaluating and grading hospitals, uh, let's start with a why. Uh, now, we do this on every episode, so we get to know our guests just a little bit better. So, Michael, what is your why? Uh, what motivates you? What gets you up out of bed in the morning?
2: I got a really uh, straightforward answer to that. It's mission. I was a Peace Corps volunteer and worked with the poorest of the poor in the Western Hemisphere. And when the CEO of the Chartist Group acquired my rural-focused enterprise, uh, he said, you know, our mission is to materially improve health care in the world frankly, Mike, I founded the company, the Chartist Group, so that we could do the work of the Peace Corps without having to work for the government. And wow. that's who nice. we are, and that's what we do. And, I, and I'm I'm very much on the mission side. We're, we're mm-hmm. the smallest division of Chartists, you can imagine. No one enters rural health, not you and your hospital <laughs> or anywhere else, because they've got to get rich quick scheme. You're doing God's no, right. work. You're working for the people. You're working for your community. And so for me, this has just been who I am. It's in my DNA. And we I've always served the underserved. And if there's a population in this country that's underserved, it's it's rural Americans. So that's the why.
1: You know what? That is Rachel, what did I just say a few minutes ago on a podcast? What work are we doing?
0: God's work. <laughs> We're
1: doing
2: God's yep, work.
0: That know? has been said many times on many Rural times Health Rising. So we are all rising. in good company today. Absolutely.
1: Yep. So, Michael, at the, at the Chartist Center for Rural Health, now you do a variety of you know, of different things. Uh, but let's start with the top 100 rural and community hospital list that you publish each year. How is this list created and what makes it different from other measurements or evaluations or ranking systems that are out there?
2: This is going to be a fun forward and backwards conversation because it was never intended to Good. be that. Um, we had a long standing history of working with small rural hospitals and networks of hospitals. I imagine we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. To help them all get together and find those rural relevant measures you were talking about. Because I'll never mm-hmm. forget working with about 20 Texas hospitals. What is the average time to admission in the emergency department to an inpatient mm-hmm. setting in a rural? And you know, anything published out there was just a bunch of junk. It was all based on Columbia Presbyterian, you know, Houston Methodist, and you know, all the big boys out there. And so we really had a lot of fun establishing, actually, the first rural relevant benchmarks in the country. We were really proud to be part of working with the federal government to establish those for a program called MBQIP, Medicare Beneficiary Quality Improvement uh, Program, and, and others, many others, um, and and lots of great partners out there. Uh, we're, we're we're incredibly proud to have partnered with all of the Flex Monitoring Team uh, groups, et cetera, and so. Um, the, the top 100 was kind of an accident and one of our most delightful parts of our work that we do each year because, uh, boy, doesn't good news travel fast?
1: Mm-hmm. and sure does.
2: And yeah. And couldn't we all use a little bit of it? Amen. Right. Brother. Yeah. Because out there right now, there's a lot of really hard news in rural America and in rural healthcare. So the top 100 was just an accident. But I will tell you this. Hmm. That over we're going into year 13. February will be the 13th annual release. Wow! Congrats. Thank you. This has been vetted by uh, associations, by state networks, by government, by accountants, Mm -hmm. by hospital CEOs and executives such as yourself. And I think the reason it stuck is that it wasn't a popularity contest. It was rural relative first. It was right. the data science that we, we had really strong data scientists on our team that could help us really come up with measures that didn't double count or undercount. And it was objective. Uh, and I think it was that piece that over time has really won over the industry, that to be a top 100 mm-hmm. hospital, you're not just doing good in one thing. For any of your listeners who are familiar with Kaplan and Norton's Balanced Scorecard, Harvard Business School Mm -hmm. Walks, who wrote a bunch of Mm -hmm. books about strategy, strategy execution and and planning, it's kind of, that was our DNA. And it's kind of, if you think of the CEO's desk, it's kind of the four corners of the CEO's desk. So the index has been as many as 60-ish indicators, and it's been as few as like 38 indicators. And what we see is that uh, as as CMS um, retires uh, indicators, uh, we retire indicators as they add indicators, we add indicators, but we always put it through a very rigorous process with our data scientists to make sure that we don't make a mistake in double counting something or, or, or what have you.
0: So speaking of the index, which, you know, I, not, not to brag, but Hillsdale Hospital is a top 100 oh, rural are, and community Rachel. hospital yes, for we 2022. Are. Yes, we are. Um, we're very proud of that and have been splashing it everywhere all over our community. Um, but that's based on the Chartist Rural Hospital Performance Index that you mentioned. So how was the index developed? Mm-hmm. How long have you been using it? And what specific data is used for each of the eight performance areas? Because, as you mentioned, it's objective. One of the things we like about it is that we don't do anything to end up on the list. You're pulling all of that data independently, so it doesn't create work on the part of the rural hospitals to potentially qualify for that recognition. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: You bet. And, you know, at the beginning, I was a little bit shy about congratulating you, but congratulations
1: <laughs> to, to, thank you to, to, thank you michael thank uh, you
2: to say it's an accomplishment is an understatement you're looking at the top eight percent of hospitals out of 2200 rural hospitals in the country Fantastic. with an objective review of data across yeah. across a broad spectrum of indicators now you ask me right a, you asked me a question We can't answer on this podcast in its totality, but I'll give it a try in broad strokes, okay? Perfect. So here's an expression that I think every one of your viewers can relate to. You are what you eat. Hospitals are very much a reflection of who they serve. It turns out Hillsdale serves its community. Your community chooses, by and large, to see you and seek you out. We use a term called provider of choice. So you do well, compared to your peers nationally, in a technical wonky thing people call out migration or leakage, that would be the negative side of that, which would be your community is going someplace else for care. In this case, your community seeks you out and says, I want to go there. So we measure a variety of indicators. And again, I don't, I don't think we can get into too many of them, but I can just say generally in broad strokes. Do, does Susie, when she slides into third base and when she breaks her ankle, does she come to your emergency department for care? The care, we call that the care of comfort. And if the answer is yes, mm-hmm. that, that means that you have a strong share of the potential patients that would see you. Does grandpa, when he has a coronary event, wind up at your hospital for that stabilization for those, you know, fiber, fiber analytic therapies to get him to where he needs to go for definitive care in a cath lab, for example. And so, mm-hmm. whether it's the care of emergency or the care of comfort, your your patients, your communities, and and by the way, there's a bunch more measures. They're saying yes. So so that's um, that's an example of of one dimension I would call of the CEO's desk, which is you know, are we serving our community? Is our community chosen? Mm-hmm. To? Another one is, are we delighting? our community. And so by that we get mm-hmm. into this whole value equation. And I can take a minute there to talk about value, which is just simply, you know, it's for a hospital and for your listeners, it's it's what you do. It's your mission. It's taking care of people. It's it's helping them mm-hmm. be well. It's helping them be their best selves, recover from sickness. It's to help them have their best health. There is a denominator to value and we monitor this as well as one of our indicators, which is at what cost? how much you know am i an efficient place to get care am i you know not not going to be a super expensive place to get care so when we talk about the value equation the top of it there's a number of, den- of of numerators. excuse me one of them is um are our patients delighted do they like us do they like the nurses do they like the doctors do they like the staff and and through this this is all called patient satisfaction and there are surveys and and so we'll get into this in quality of in a little bit more detail in just a second, but you can sort of say, yeah, we seem to do pretty well. But what we do at the Chartist Center for Rural Health at the Chartist Group is we say your raw score, whatever it is, how does that actually stack up to other rural hospitals in your in your state? And how does it stack up to other rural hospitals nationally? I will tell you It's been tough for a lot of hospitals to catch up with the South, with that good old Southern hospitality.
0: Y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) Well, Well, I'm from Texas, so I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Apple pie, apple pies. (laughs) And and, and 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 I'll tell
0: you, this
2: is a a little known fact. This is where rural hospitals outshine their larger urban peers. You know why? It's neighbors taking care of neighbors.
1: Care of neighbors. It's a a neighbor from
2: your church or from the supermarket. It's taking care of you. Yep, And that makes... Us rural healthcare providers shine now. The South, right. the South was the shining star of customer service because of y'all come back now. You hear, but I'll tell you, everywhere in the nation, everyone's <laughs> been competing on that, and and I, I see it being much more equalized now. So that's an example. I'll give you one more, yeah. uh, and it'll have maybe just a couple examples. I was an EMT. I rode on an ambulance for about a decade, and. Hmm. um You know, time to ECG was a measure that has been retired, but we all know minutes mean muscle, right? The more minutes Mm -hmm. in a heart attack, the more muscle that's going to deteriorate, also brain, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. there was a Mm -hmm. standard, which was 10 minutes to ECG. Well, on my ambulance crew, we were doing leads on the pavement so that we knew where we needed to go when
1: right there and that's that's catching up nationally
2: right i mean that's starting to become more of a pattern so what what i wanted to use that example for was let's say you had a 92 percent rate of 10 minutes to ecg um is that good or bad what the Charters center for rural health has done in this in this uh in this index, and I made up a word, I'm going to use it here, is we indexified it. <laughs> so, you know, we made an index. And an index, it, you know, it distributes everything 0 to 100. And what you could see is maybe a 92 percentile score. That might not be an A-, minus. that might be an F. Do you follow me? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so yeah, mm-hmm. sure that's is. part of it. Is, is some of these measures that get retired. It's because they do what's called quote top, they top out where everybody catches up, they get on board. But that that's good, right? That's the nature of right. what gets measured. What do we say? What gets measured gets managed. And and, right, and, sure does. and 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 so good, good job, everybody. You top out a measure. Let's retire it and let's move on to the next one. Right.
0: Yes. So I could go yeah, on and give absolutely. other
2: examples, but that's kind of on that numerator of quality. We could look at mortality. We could look at readmissions. We could look at patient harms and safety, lots of things that go into that numerator. At what cost? At what charge? Again, there, it's not just your absolute score. It's the relativity of that. And It's fascinating when we work with rural hospitals, they, they, they may even find, and by the way, the upper Midwest has relatively high cost structure just in general compared to other parts of the country. So, you know, CMS is paying attention to this. They're trying to incentivize everyone nationally to kind of get to the medium, right? They're trying to squeeze everything to the middle. Sure. Finally, I will say this, and this has been a long-winded answer, and I tried to abbreviate it as much as possible to your- Oh, no, no, no,
1: it's awesome. To your simple question. We love it.
2: it. Uh, The other corner of the CEO's desk might be um, about the the mission. And there's an old expression in any business, but particularly, uh, I think, relevant here is no margin, no mission. No mission. It, yep. It, it, you have to be able to keep the lights on. You have to be able mm-hmm. to pay your employees. I'll give you another movie right. reference. We made one earlier. Um well that was a TV reference with you know Jenna from the rural jurors on 30 Rock. Yes. Here but you know <laughs> I, I'm a Monty <laughs> Python fan and when you go to the meaning of life there's there's this whole scene about birth and it's like oh doctor I see you have the machine that goes Ping, And, you know, you have to be able to reinvest in yourself with new technologies, with new machines mm-hmm. that go ping, and you might need a new roof right. and you might need yeah. a new wing yeah. and you might need to upgrade your heating system. More recently right. in the pandemic, you might need to develop positive uh, pressure, uh, you know, rooms and, and what have you, right? New ventilation systems. So if you don't have the financial wherewithal to do that, that's the margin then no margin, no mission. So we evaluate that. And again, we evaluate it not just in absolute terms, but relatively to your peers in your state and nationally. So that's kind of my high-level overview of what the index is is striving to do. It's not static. We try to keep it as static as possible. However, things change and we have to change with them.
0: Right. So let me ask you as well for... For all of those different measures that you're looking at um, is because we don't submit anything to you. So is this all based on publicly reported data or is there any primary research that you guys are doing on your own?
2: Um Mostly column A, like almost entirely, it's publicly available. We just, Mm -hmm. you know, this reminds me of I'm you have
0: uh, to gather it up from a ton of different sources, right? Right. And I'm a big DIY guy.
2: I could build a house, I could build a boat, but I choose to hire the guys to come in and drywall because they're really good at it. They come in and they do it fast. We kind of think of ourselves as the data drywallers. We're really, really Mm -hmm. good with data science. We're really, really good with understanding of the industry and we'd like to think that we can do that better and more efficiently. Can you hunt and peck and get around and find each of these discrete variables independently probably. Can you then put them together into relevant benchmarks probably not. So we're really good at that. But yeah, that's mostly public. One of the ones that stands out is we have a we use a mortality index that comes from CMS. We have our own proprietary mortality index that frankly we think is better than CMS? Oh gosh, I'm gonna get in trouble yes. now. I'm gonna get in trouble. So I'm gonna get a call, oh boy, Tom Morris Tom, Morris. Tom Morris. Disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, from Federal Office of Rural Health Policy he's gonna give me a shout and say, Mike, come on now. Come on, really? <laughs> Michael, Michael,
1: we need to talk." I'm really disappointed. But, but I,
2: we do think it's better, and I'll tell you why. And this gets to rural relevancy. In the rural space, I know, you know, we've lost hospice. We've lost it by the droves. We've also lost a lot of home health. We've also true. we've also lost a lot of nursing, uh, uh, skilled nursing, right, home hmm.
1: health, skilled, yeah.
2: skilled, skilled nursing, and nursing homes. That that has yep. really disappeared yep. in in my time, and I'm 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 a relative rookie, but I got a lot of white hair. Um, but 15 years later, I've seen it. Um, and what I'm trying to yeah. say is, mm-hmm. what I know is people come to the emergency room to die, often in rural hospitals. And so, if you have uh, a federal measurement of this, you're necessarily dinging or giving a negative grade to rural hospitals because they're they're providing that comfort that that family needs when that yeah. when that family member comes back at the end of their life because that's unique because they're scared. Yeah. It's unique. So we have a different mortality index that we think is much much better, but we do both. We use both, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. one is really kind mm-hmm. of an expected. Um, versus realized. And so that's an example of a Mm -hmm. little column A, column B. But in general, yes, to answer your question, we're using publicly available data. Um, We're normalizing it. We're scrubbing it. We're normalizing it. And it's challenging. You mentioned at the beginning of our call, the challenge of low volumes, which means low numbers. Uh, Sometimes you get into this statistical nebulous area where the numbers aren't statistically significant and it becomes really hard to count things. And so we, we, we'd we like to think that we're really good at doing that. We do some statistical gymnastics to do things like imputing in some of those cases, et cetera. But yes, to answer your question directly, it's all publicly available, but we just do some uh, pretty limber statistical gymnastics.
1: So Rachel, to my surprise, uh, one day I'm in my office mm-hmm. and Previous to this, I'm spending months answering surveys, filling out forms, 23-page documents, paying for logos of this particular company to to promote or not promote Hillsdale Hospital. Very exhausting, Yes, right? Uh, kind of pay-for-play performance that uh, mm-hmm. exists out there, but it doesn't, but it does. Uh, right. And then one day, someone comes to my office and says, uh, do you know that we were just named a top 100 hospital? And I'm like... By which I'm going through my file, by which one, right. which, what, which survey what? did we fill out? You're like, no. Nothing. This is by the Chartist group. And then the my gold my, standard. Yeah. My so my my chief quality officer comes and he goes, This is the gold standard right. for hospitals. He goes, put away that, well, let's call it jump toad. Put away that jump toad <laughs> and put away this here and put away that there because this is the standard right. by which you should really be worried by. And I called my my previous boss, the former CEO of the hospital, I'm like, dude guess what? You know, we just made Chartist 100. He goes, oh my, that's pretty significant accomplishment. Right. And so for me, you know, it warms my heart to hear that Hillsdale Hospital did not engage in a survey. No. We did not write a check no. right. to get your, to your have logo, permission to, to get your permission to communicate about the fact that it. we were recognized. In fact, we've got a billboard up around the county that says Chartist Group, top 100 hospital. Uh, and that did not come to us because we solicited it
2: Right. I've just got one bone to pick with y'all. How come you don't take a okay. picture of that and send it to me?
1: <laughs> absolutely, oh, we
2: can do that. I
1: will do it. We I'm going to Coldwater tomorrow. Okay. I will, I oh, will definitely. Please do. I'll take a picture because of I will
2: tell you, it will warm my team's heart. I have a team oh, of data scientists, engineers, analysts, uh, several. Uh, Consider it done. And 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 we worked really hard on this, and it is our pleasure. We so I, I've traveled around this country to 49 states. And and it just warms our hearts to see the banners on the elevators, the doors, oh, yeah. nurses mm-hmm. wearing oh, you'll see buttons and it. yeah, and occasionally we oh, get yeah. a billboard. So please do send us a link. I'll get yeah, it. Yeah, we
0: have a, a blanket that we did for all of our oh, staff. We printed cute. it on a fleece blanket and gave to them. So it we'll send Chartist. you one of those. Charter,
1: we'll send you a blanket.
0: Yep. And then oh, we I have a, we actually have banners You're gonna get that it. are banners that are um, in the process of being printed that are gonna go up at the front of our hospital. Oh my gosh, you that guys. say uh, Top 100 Rural Hospital Charter oh. Center. We're going to
1: take photos and send it all to you. And we're going to send you some blankets.
0: Yeah, we'll send you a little care package. Oh, that would be
2: so great. (laughs) You guys are too much. Well, anyway, I have to tell you, again, it was never intended. It has been the great pleasure of my professional career that this by accident thing has taken off and turned into this 13 year. And it's going to keep going. I know, even probably beyond when I'm gone. It has become a standard. I appreciate you saying that. We hear it from industry leaders uh, at a national level. At a regional level, associations, and we certainly hear it from local executives who strive to be the best. And congratulations mm-hmm. to you for yeah. being in the absolute elite of rural hospitals in the country. It's a wonderful achievement, Thank and you. you deserve all the credit. Your team deserves all the credit. Your board and your community should be very, very proud.
0: Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you. So at the Charter Center for Rural Health, you also help to support rural hospitals that want to improve uh, their quality, measure their performance more in depth and shape their strategy and operations. So kind of taking that information that you gather with the index and then using that uh, within their organizations, but you support them in doing that. So what are some of those services? What are some of the ways that you do that work with rural hospitals?
2: Well, I appreciate you asking that. Um, Frankly, I think most of the work we do is about you. and It's not about us, but I'll be very brief. Um, We oftentimes are asked, okay, so here's some data. I like to get to the point where with an executive, with an executive team, a leadership team, with maybe a board team, we can then start to ask, what are the really important questions that come out of this? And then frankly, what do we do about it, right? that's, Mm -hmm. that's where the rubber meets the road. What do we do about it? Right. And we, we know rural and we've got a small, but mighty team. And so we, we, we try to lend a hand where we can, we, we're not all things to to everybody, but you know, we, we lend a hand uh, in performance improvement, um, and facilitating those discussions and doing strategic planning and, 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 and working through how we can, you know, become the best that we can be. Um, and a bunch of other stuff, but again, mm-hmm. it's not—it's not about us. It's about you guys. But needless to say, we're a consulting group. We're a management consulting right. group, so uh, we we support hospitals in myriad ways. But um, in general, it's to help them be their best selves.
0: Right. Right. And Excellent. we love that. I mean, we you know, we've talked plenty of times on this podcast about how we have to be strategic in our partnerships and our mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. and having partners like. The Chartist Group, those are the ways that rural hospitals can improve and can do more because we don't necessarily have the same type of expertise internally. Um, and, you know, that is so important to have those those out there you know, and available. And Rachel,
1: they, they don't have an agenda, the Chartist Group. Right. You know, they don't have a gotcha moment, you know, and it's that's what's incredible for me is mm-hmm. just really when you think about the word partnership, you know, you think about okay, what's what's mutually benefiting both parties, right? And to be promoted, not because of pay for play or any of those, but to be promoted because of what you're doing, right? And to be recognized for that—that that, that's been incredible. So, Michael, I, I want to zoom out a little bit uh, from just measuring individual hospitals, you know, and talk about the broader needs of rural health in our country. And it's a passion of ours, Rachel and myself, mm-hmm. because we started Rural Health Rising, a national podcast, to bring attention to the alarming statistical uh, analysis of what has happened to rural hospitals in America since 2010, and that is yeah. nearly 140 More closures. Now we're well,
0: nearly. Are, yeah, are we over 140? I yet? think
1: there's. It's one. It's between. It's 138, hard to keep track yeah, of now. Yeah, I'm hearing it's 138, maybe to 140, but. Yes. Regardless, it's a huge number. Yes. It's because too Because every hospital closure equals devastation for the local economy, mm-hmm. loss of jobs. But even beyond that, it's lack of health care access and poor health care outcomes right. as a result of those closures. So, Michael, you know, as we look at the broader needs of health care in the country, we're going to we're going to kind of get on a little soapbox here, maybe you have done a tremendous amount of work, both establishing and supporting rural health networks, including development of additional funding sources, and you do that through partnerships and even grants. Can you tell us more about this great work that you're engaged in beyond just the measurement tool? You know, what makes development of rural health networks so important, and how does that relate to the funding opportunities then?
2: I love I love the question. Um, I think you know necessity is the mother of invention, and I think about fifteen years ago, certainly a decade ago, there was this balkanized sort of uh, you know landscape out there of everyone kind of the wild west. You know, pew pew pew, everyone's shooting. It. And, and 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 what happened was um, there was some good work done at the federal level and at state levels, bringing people together and saying, hey, together. I mean, here's the thing I hear. No, no, no we're different. We're different. In my community, <laughs> we're different.
0: And, Super and special actually, snowflake is how I like to yeah, refer to that.
1: Exactly. We're different here, Michael. You just have to understand us. We've uh, always done I, it this the way. The rules don't I, apply Michael, to us. Michael, we've always done it this <laughs> way. <We're special.
2: laughs> I, I do need to know, and I do love to hear those stories. What I say to uh, folks around the country is that is true. You are different. Every Everybody is different, everybody is unique. But I had an old biology teacher who said, Mike, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's lumpers and there's splitters. And while we can split apart our differences, as a group, if we band together in rural, we're stronger. Mm-hmm. We're more powerful. And we That's have right. more similarities than we do have differences. Yes, we're all right. different. Yes, we're all unique. But guess what? We have similar challenges in staffing and recruiting. We have these low volumes. We want to maintain OB if we can. We want to be able to deliver those babies, but it's hard. How are we going to do it? How are we going to leverage telemedicine? How are we going to afford the new machine that goes ping? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot that we share in common in our DNA. And and what I try to tell people is I respect and admire your unique unique community and and needs but as a group we're the same. so so networking was your question and i think what the feds realized what the states realized and, and in our practice what we realized was rural has an advantage that urban doesn't which is urban folks they're fighting tooth and nail they're competing <laughs> by yes. our by our if if i may our manifest destiny yeah. that gave us geographic dispersion you know the Hill-Burton Act you know created a new landscape you know post World War II where we had a county-based health system essentially and and frankly in most counties there was a hospital not all but in there was yeah and right. that really set us up in this case for success in as much as one county is not too likely to be super competitive with another and certainly not with the county you know 2 hours or 3 hours away And even if those hospitals were affiliated with health systems and those health systems might be competitors, we're pretty good at facilitating a process whereby they could get together and collaborate. So we don't look at competitors. We look at comparators. And I think that's the heart and soul of network collaboration. And I'll tell you what we're going for. What we're going for is that we are more alike than we are different, and as such, we can look for, you know, a lot A lot of people use terms like opportunities. They might go so far as to say challenges. challenges. Somebody might say, oh, there's a problem here. These <laughs> are all euphemisms for basically, you know, there's there's a lagging performance relative to some sort of standard. And in our case, we use <laughs> rural relevant benchmarks. <laughs> so we look for something to turn that around called common win themes. So if we can get a network together and say, all of you are working on your unique projects, but you know, all of you are saying to me the same thing. You're all saying your nursing communication, your discharge instructions, you know, uh, your no- the noise in your inpatient unit is high. These are challenges that you're facing. The, excuse me. Let me use the right phrase. They're opportunities you have. <laughs> so we then say, well, let's, that's common to all of us. So if we could all work on it together, that's a win theme. And what we found with networks is we can learn from one another. So we like to help facilitate a process whereby we look at all of this, we evaluate it, and we go to the top three hospital teams in any particular area and say, hey, we notice you're really doing much better than your peers. Would you mind being the presenter at the next network meeting? Well, every month, every quarter, every, you know, whatever. And and then they come and talk about, well, here's what our challenge was. Here's, excuse me, here's what our opportunity was. (laughs) (laughs) And then here's what we did. And here were our results. And then people, they learn from that and that they go and visit each other, right? Like Mm -hmm. a a chief nursing Mm -hmm. officer might just get in the car and go visit a peer because it's peer-to-peer learning is what it is. And we're just Mm -hmm. the facilitators, right? Like we've got... We, we, you know, we've got some chops, we've got some expertise, but frankly, what we're here to do is connect the, the the groups. So that's what I love about networks, I guess is what I would say to answer your question, is we we really are bringing the folks together so that they can learn from each other and they're local, right? So people really mm-hmm. appreciate, you know, not some national talking head coming in in a bow tie, but, um, you know, <laughs> somebody who they know from, you know, maybe, you know, Maybe they they know them, right? Because they went yeah. to college with them, or they were in, at least in the same region, and right. talk to me about what you did. How did you do it? And yeah. share that. I, I used to be in education, and we used to say the best teachers are the best thieves. I think the same thing is true with nurses. The best nurses are the best thieves. They they take the best ideas of what they see from other practitioners. That's cool. But this is the like biggest. That. Th- this is the biggest challenge, and we we have a practice called. Um, Uh, EPR external peer review, because if if a physician for accreditation in a rural hospital, especially for joint commission accreditation, there are no peers. Rural hospitals just don't have peers. So you've got you know entire divisions of one. You've got entire, you know what I mean? Like your radiology department, you've got a manager and a tech and a (laughs) it's all one. No, it's right. You're right. So you really need peers. So we think networks. create kind of, um, a virtual system. It's the kind of thing that in a larger health system is kind of innate. It's kind of natural, but I will tell you 50% of rural hospitals are independent. And so 50% are affiliated and 50% are independent. And so having those external peers, what a valuable resource for a college, right? They don't, ha- they don't have a colleague to talk to.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Powerful. I mean, I absolutely love common win thieves. Yes.
0: Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, I'm going to use that term. And when you talked about the, um, you know, nurses being the best thieves, I call it R&D, rob and duplicate. Ooh. <laughs> Find good ideas. <laughs> there you go. Find good ideas and make them work for I your like organization. Yeah. And if you can, make R&D. them a little better. I like it. I like yep. it. I've never That's heard that awesome. one. I'm Robin gonna duplicate. One down.
2: So we'll, we'll each yes. steal from each other today. Nice. And nice. I stole
0: that from somebody else, by the way. Okay. So oh, Of
2: course, of course. <laughs>
0: So, Michael, as we wrap up, my last question for you is about the, um, you know, the work that the, and the research, really, that you guys have done into the state of rural healthcare in America. So you have been, you know, doing this research for many years, as I understand it. And what have you learned? What have you seen as a result of that research program? And how is the information being used to support rural hospitals?
2: Well, um, it's not my day job but it is my greatest professional pleasure of anything I've ever done is to get involved in this work. Because what I have mm-hmm. found is serving the industry I serve uh, has just been, it, it, it has, it's it's been a multitude. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful. I get calls from state houses. I get calls from the Senate Finance Committee. I get calls from the House Ways and Means. And they use this data. They use this research. They're there are a lot of people on both sides of the
0: aisle. This is not a Republican issue. This is not Correct. a
2: Democrat issue. This is a rural issue. And yeah, yes, preach it, it's preach a
0: twenty percent of Americans live in a rural community issue. That's right.
2: It, 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 yeah, yeah, and sixty-three million Americans. I mean, it's a it's a large number, and 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 it it really touches almost every senator. By the way, there's you know. I, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to name the senators. It doesn't touch, but I can. I can name them, but you know, obviously New Jersey, Rhode Island, Delaware, it doesn't touch them, but it even touches States like Massachusetts. It really does. Senator Warren in Massachusetts cares about this issue. So my point is it's, it's a national issue. It touches almost every state and, um, 47 States have rural, uh, communities with rural hospitals. And so It is so wonderful to be able to add to the dialogue at a national, but also at a state house level. We've seen this discussion go on in states. I mean, it is my great pleasure to help just provide numbers. No politics here. The data are the data to a number of state houses around this country. And we all know red states, blue states. Again, I don't want to get political, but we all know that expanding Medicaid was a, a big problem politically for some state houses and they mm-hmm. did it and they expanded it. And I'm really proud of the role we played to give them the numbers like, Hey, not doing this, you're hurting the people and you're hurting yeah. the hospitals. Right. So, um, that's an example. And, and yeah. I could go on and on and on. I will tell you, I will go beyond that. My greatest, uh, honor has been to have started a discussion. Uh, with my team about five years ago and to kind of get ahead of this discussion of health equity and and frankly, health inequity. We know that older, I mean, excuse me, rural communities are older, poorer, and sicker. And so if we're going to talk about health inequity, so much of the focus is on the inner cities, as it should be, no question. Yep. But the greatest health inequities in this country are in rural America.
1: Yes, they are, correct. And so-
2: um, we've really put a focus on this and triangulated uh, an issue. And, and I, I can't get into too much detail without visuals here, but what we found was that those communities that need it the most are also the communities that are getting it the least. I agree. Those communities that need it the most are also those communities that are most likely to lose their hospital in our statistical yeah. discussion. Cause as I mentioned earlier, Our research has pointed out the vulnerability of hospitals to Right. It has helped us shine a light on the most vulnerable rural hospitals in America. And there are about 453 of them that we're very concerned about. And so when you put all of these together, you you get this patchwork that becomes incredibly concerning of really very impoverished communities with very poor access and the probability that that's going to get worse.
1: You know, Michael, for all of those reasons, Hillsdale Hospital launched this podcast to raise the awareness to almost a call to action. We've had congressional leaders, state leaders on this program, um, and it's really to heighten the awareness of what's happening around us. And the timing is absolutely crucial right now that we have some type of of intercession that needs to happen to save these community hospitals. And I say that with all sincerity, where it's not the sky is falling, the reality of it is you know, we can look at those 140 closures. We, can, we had Scott Becker from Becker's Healthcare uh, on here a few months ago talking about how nearly 500 are at risk, and you know that as well. Uh, this year alone of hospitals of closing, that impacts not only their economics in those respective communities, but the healthcare outcomes. And you talk about inequities. For, for goodness sakes, the inability to drive 45 minutes because we don't have transportation is the biggest barrier we have right now. And can you imagine if these hospitals were to close the impact and devastation to the health and wellness of those rural communities? By the way, rural communities, which are farming communities, providing food you know to our 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 country and producing you know some of the 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 what we would describe now as scarcities um we are living in a time where awareness needs to be heightened for this very issue. And and it was for those reasons that you just shared with us that we launched the podcast to hold those members of the state and the congressional districts accountable for what is happening in our rural communities and and the elimination of healthcare centers. And not just because we're trying to protect our jobs, Rachel and I have many opportunities and offers even outside of healthcare that's not what this is about this is about fighting a good fight you know doing god's work in 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 a, an environment where we just come out of covid and realize so much desperation and so much uh that needs to that needs to happen with education in rural communities and awareness that it breaks my heart when i hear friends of mine just recently last week talking about potential closure of their facility and i'm saying you got to fight man you got to fight with all your might you got to be working 23 hours a day you know this isn't for the the weak this isn't for the faint uh, you've got to work hard and for all of those reasons you know we commend chartus for highlighting recognizing and bringing attention to hospitals who are striving every day and are in are, are doing it you know with courage and with gusto charging you know hell with a squirt gun as we say it <laughs> with fire in their belly you know you are recognizing their efforts and, and it's a proud day that I can drive on many of the major roadways and see Hillsdale Hospital top 100 hospital Chartist Group. Uh, And so I want to thank you, Michael, for that. I want to thank you for giving us the passion. You've
2: got the shoe on the other foot, JJ. (laughs) Thank you for doing God's work. We're just here. We're the numbers guys. And, uh, you know, it's great to me to hear this story about how much it's been meaningful to you, your team, and most importantly, your team, right? Because they're the ones doing all this work. And then if, mm-hmm. it, if it impacts your community and it helps, that's just gravy. That's just cherry on top. So Absolutely. fantastic.
1: Absolutely. Well, we want to thank you for that.
2: Oh, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.
1: All right, Michael, before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know, what is your most unique rule experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life?
2: Well, I'm going to be real brief, but I, I was choosing between two or three. I mean, carrying a pig on my shoulders, a live pig <laughs> in the Peace Corps was one, and I got my nickname that way, and that's how I knew I was in on the community. My second one really was uh, I landed in, I think, Abilene or Amarillo, probably Amarillo, and I had to go all the way up to Ocultree, Texas, which is right on the panhandle, all the way up the top of Texas.
0: Yeah, that would have been been drive.
2: Yeah, and well, and I was two, three hours north of there, driving down this road, and I realized I hadn't seen a car in like two or three hours. (laughs) And I think we still had tape cassettes back then. And I had a Grateful Dead tape cassette on, Uh, and I parked the car and I laid in the middle of the road and listened. And you know, they don't play short songs. I I listened to the entire song as the as the cattle
1: uh,
2: load on either side of the road. That's two. Three is, uh, you know, I, I, said earlier, uh, you know, people talk about rural, they say, Oh, the middle of nowhere. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Amarillo is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> we go to the most remote corner Corners of nowhere, kind of nowhere. Mm-hmm. like Sarah Palin. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Russia. Russia. Right. I went up to, uh, I went up to, uh, Botno, North Dakota in the Northwest corner. And I could see Saskatchewan and Alberta and, the largest fiberglass turtle in America. (laughs) I'm just saying.
1: (laughs) Well, you've been- I think I
2: just gave you three. I just gave you three. You did.
1: You've been to the remote corners. And uh, again, thanks for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. We've enjoyed our conversation and we thank you for the work that the Chartish Group is doing.
2: Thank you both. I really appreciated your time and uh, I hope that uh, you guys keep fighting this good fight because your community needs it and people across across the nation need to know. So appreciate you.
1: Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in.
0: And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising.
1: And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong.
0: Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, Michael Topchik, national leader of the Chartist Center for Rural Health. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.
2: We have a really, Maine Maine is a really small place. It's really small. Mm, mm
0: Mm-hmm
2: an awesome. island life is island life is even smaller oh I'm yeah. sure I bet that must don't be so ever cool. burn
0: a bridge because you won't get off the island <laughs> <laughs> that is good I have never heard that one before uh-huh. I love that I'm gonna put that one in my pocket I love a good one